Heavenly Father, we come to you right now. God, we thank you for implanting yourself in us. The moment that we decided to place our hearts in your hands. Your son, Jesus Christ, is in us, and we know that we can become anything, God. We can do any and all things because of the Christ in us. God, for that we're thankful. Lord, we're thankful for this day that you have given us as we worship together. God, in these few moments, as you have given me this blessed opportunity to declare your proclaimed word, I just pray that you use me. Allow every word I say be directly from you, God. These, your people, may receive something that may encourage them, inspire them, help them along their journey. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning to each and every one of you here, Redeemer. So glad to be here uh, on this morning. As I told someone this morning, this is my second time here. My grandmother always told me the first time you come in my house, you're, the, you're a visitor. But after that, you're at home. So I'm glad to be at home here at Redeemer and thank God for this opportunity. I thank your pastor, Dr. Scott Barber, for this opportunity, for this chance. You all are blessed to have such a wonderful, wonderful uh, pastor. And I've, I've known Scott for, I guess, going on about three years now. Uh, working with him uh, with the uh, show's area prayer rally. And he's always just a joy to be around. Scott is one of those people whom if you're down or you're upset or you're sad about anything, just let Scott in the room and he'll just somehow, some way uh, cheer you up. So I know that you all uh, each and every day are just blessed to have him as your under shepherd. And uh, thank God for all the uh, leaders of this church who have helped me from the Beginning of the week, even until I, I walked in. So thank you all so much. I'm not going to tarry before you long. I've already preached one sermon this morning. And um, one thing about preaching is that it does take a lot out of you. Uh, nevertheless, I am excited to give you all a word uh, coming from the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 24. And I want to read verses 1 through 9, and particularly from the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. St. Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 9. Uh, you may read silently while I read aloud. God's word says, But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. Women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. But the man said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words and returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to all the rest. I just briefly want to speak to you from this thought in question form. Is there any good news? Is there any good news? All of us have heard the expression, I have some good news and some bad news. Which do you want first? All of us have heard that expression. And National Geographic actually did a scientific study and a scientific survey on this question back in 2013. And out of the people they surveyed, an overwhelming 75% stated that they would rather receive the bad news first. The rationale for most of them was that they would rather get the bad news over with 
and out the way and get the good news last to end on a high note. The researcher who did the study raised a point for the reader to think about, and it, it caught my eye. And that point was that good news is not always certain. Good news for some people can often be a matter of if and not when. While some have the option to hear good news or bad news first. There are some who have no choice but to just hear bad news because that's the only news there is for them. My brothers and sisters, for many of you in here this morning, as you reflect on how things are in your life right now, and you reflect on how things are in this world at the current moment, many of you can relate to the researcher's point. You don't have the luxury of choosing what to hear first between good news and bad news. Because the only thing that seems to find its way on life's front doorstep is bad news. Which is why, if you be honest, the way things are going right now forces you to ask yourself the question, is there any good news? Perhaps for somebody in here. You know the check you picked up on Friday is about to be gone tomorrow because your rent, your car note, your insurance, your kids' daycare bill are all due on this coming week. And you're thinking to yourself, ah, is there any good news? For somebody in here, you, you did what any good parent would want to do, and you sacrificed a little bit of money you had left to buy your children Christmas presents in December because you wanted your children to have a good Christmas. But now, if you be honest with yourself, two months later, you have yet to recover from that sacrifice. And you're barely able to make ends meet. And you're asking yourself the question, is there any good news? There are some people who have been facing health challenges, been in and out of the hospital, been at home recovering, not able to get out like they want. And they may be asking themselves, ah, is there any good news? Young people, your, your grades have been slipping. Prom is right around the corner and you still don't have a date. Your parents have really been on your case lately. Stuff is happening where you're starting to realize the difference between friends and associates. You have so much going on. And it has you thinking, is there any good news? Lord knows when we turn our televisions on to see what's going on in the world, that question arises. When suicide is the number two cause of death for people ages 10 to 34, it begs the question, is there any good news? When politicians on both sides of the aisles, and even when some church leaders across all denominational lines are no longer an example for how to behave, but are now instead an example for how not to behave, begs the question, is there any good news? When the spirit of the prophet Amos, the spirit of Dr. Martin Luther King, is hindered, because it's impossible to let justice roll down like water. 
when there are pipe leaks in the system underneath? Begs the question, is there any good news? Listen, you need some good news. I need some good news. Our world, our country needs some good news. So the question to ask is, is there any good news? After the week they've had, these women here in our text needed some good news. Bad news has been all they've encountered. Because of their situation, they too had hanging over their heads and had hanging over their hearts this question of, is there any good news? If you allow me, can I, can I tell their story? Although Luke doesn't refer to these women by name, the Gospel of Mark tells us they consist of Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Jesus, and Salome. They were all followers of Christ who each had a particular special connection to him. For Salome, her two sons, James and John, were two of Jesus' closest disciples. She never knew the same two rugrats she had to take a switch to when they were kids would grow up to become men who witnessed the Messiah's transfiguration as recorded in Luke chapter 9. She followed Christ faithfully as she entrusted him to take care of her kids since they were his disciples. For Mary Magdalene, it was Jesus who had cast seven evil spirits out of her and healed her from disease back in Luke chapter 8. A wonderful change had come over her life because of this one man. From that day forward, because of the power Jesus imparted on her life, everywhere Jesus went, she went as well. And of course, Mary, the mother of Jesus, she carried Jesus in her womb for nine long months. She nurtured him. She raised him. No one knew Jesus like she did. She could tell when he was hungry. She could tell when he had a rough day. He was her son and her savior at the same time. To Salome, he was a caretaker. To Mary Magdalene, he was a clinician. To Mary the mother, he was a child. Imagine the emotions they had just a few days ago as they saw the person they loved be betrayed by one of his own disciples. They saw him be handcuffed, taken off into a judgment hall and unjustly, unfairly convicted to death by the court of public opinion. They saw him beaten. They saw him bruised and bloody. The one in whom they always greeted with hugs and kisses is now unrecognizable. They cringe as they see a wooden cross weighing up to 300 pounds thrown on his back as he's forced to walk uphill with it. The drips of his blood are even more than the drips of their tears as he leaves a trail of red, runny liquid in his path. While most of the disciples are nowhere to be found, these women, they, they stay with Jesus until the end. They witness the nailing of his hands and feet. They witness his body being thrusted high in the air above them, hanging by his flesh on the cross. Imagine the anguish of Salome. When she hears him cry from the cross, I thirst. Yet she's not able to fetch him a glass of ice cold lemonade like she had customarily done so many times before whenever he, James, and John came by the house to visit her. Imagine the anxiety of Mary Magdalene 
when she hears him cry from the cross, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because she knows it's her who deserves to be on that cross and not him. Yet there's nothing she can do to trade places with him. Imagine the anger of Mary the mother. When Jesus looks down upon her and the beloved disciple and say to them, mother, behold thy son and son, behold thy mother. As realization hits her that her son, her son that she breastfed, her son that she packed a snack for every day for school, her son she held when he came running into her arms the first time he fell off his bicycle, his bicycle. Realization hits her that her son is moments away from dying. Imagine the agony of all three women when they hear him speak his last words from the cross. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And he tilts his head and he dies. Oh, my brothers and sisters, there's no doubt that the question of is there any good news applied to these women? When Jesus died, a man by the name of Joseph donates a tomb space to Jesus. The Romans released Jesus's body to him. It was Jewish custom for the body of the dead to be ritually cleansed in a particular manner. Many commentators suggest that Joseph and Nicodemus, the Pharisee who came to, Jesus, to see Jesus by night in John chapter 3, did an imperfect, hasty job in doing so, which is why we find the women here in verse 1 going to the tomb with spices to correctly anoint and cleanse the body of Christ. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. These women teach us something here. Even though they've had a week of nothing but bad news, they go out of their way to attend to, get this, they go out of their way to attend to what they believe to be the body of a dead Christ. Though only partially, his body has already received the Jewish rites. But because of the connection and the care they had to and for Jesus, they go to the tomb with the intent to fully anoint and cleanse his body because to them, he was deserving of more. In their minds and in their belief, he may have been dead, but he still deserved more. He may have been gone, but he still deserved more. Physically, he may have been useless, but to them, he still deserved more. Church, if, if, if to these women who they thought to be a dead Christ was deserving of their more than surely who we know to be a living Christ, certainly deserving of our more. Many of us, if we be honest with ourselves, we can admit that Jesus deserves more from us than what we give him. Because just as Joseph and Nicodemus only gave half the effort in how they treated Jesus, Many of us only give half our effort in how we treat him as well. The difference is, Joseph's and Nicodemus's excuse was that the Romans likely did not give them the appropriate time to treat Jesus. But many of our excuses is that we choose not to take the appropriate time to do it. Listen, you, you cannot be satisfied with just giving Jesus some of your life when you know he deserves all of your life. You cannot be satisfied with just giving Jesus some of your faithfulness 
And you know Jesus deserves all of your faithfulness. You cannot be satisfied with just giving Jesus some of your praise and worship. When you know that Jesus deserves all of your praise and worship. You cannot be satisfied with just giving Jesus some of your 10% tithe. When you know Jesus deserves all of your 10% tithe. Now, Scott did not tell me to tell you all that. I just want to make that clear. (laughs) You cannot be satisfied with just giving Jesus some of your attendance in church. When you know that Jesus deserves all of your attendance in church. Listen, some of you may not want to hear that, but look at it this way. Day after day, the good Lord gives us that which we don't deserve. Every morning we wake up to see is a morning we truly don't deserve. Every breath we take is a breath we don't deserve. Every blessing we receive is a blessing we don't deserve. But I'm so glad to know, as the scripture says in Psalm 103, verse 10, that he doesn't treat us as our sin deserves. Listen, if he gives us much more of what we don't deserve, the least we can do is give him more or what he does deserve. All of us should challenge ourselves to make sure we leave this service doing more for him, being more for him, giving more for him, praising more for him, lifting our hands more for him, serving others more for him, taking our faith walk serious more for him because he deserves it. Even though they're void of good news, these women, they still go to the tomb with the intent to give of themselves to a dead Jesus. When they get to the tomb, they're they're met with the shock and surprise that the stone has been rolled away. They enter in only to discover that the body they came to anoint is gone. The text says they were perplexed about Jesus not being in the tomb until two angels appeared before them. These angels came to them with good news. The internal rhetorical question of, is there any good news? They may have been asking themselves over the last few days. It's answered by what these angels say to them in verses 5 through 7. Why do you seek the living among the dead? Jesus is not here. He is Risen, remember how he spoke to you saying the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful man to be crucified and on the third day rise again. These women had shed tears over his loss. They had been in grief and sadness over his loss. But the angels tell them here that which they thought they had lost had never gone away to begin with. The angels say, remember how he spoke to you. Remember how he spoke to you. Remember how he spoke to you. Jesus had told them time after time that he would be risen from the dead. However, you have to think that the gory visual of what they saw happen to Jesus convinced them that all was done. Convinced them that it was the end. Convinced them that it was all over. My brothers and sisters, let me say this. You cannot let the pain you see make you forget about the promises Jesus spoke. 
Even though your eyes may see the worst in life, you have to allow the words of Jesus speak into your life. There's something going on in your life right now that may have you crying, that may have you angry, that may have you emotional, that may have you down and out. My brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you, just like the angels encourage these women by telling you, just remember what Jesus spoke to you. When all life seems lost, just remember what he spoke to you when he said, I come that you may have life and life more abundantly. When it seems like you have nothing to gain, just remember what he spoke to you when he said, whatever you ask in prayer, believe you have received it and it will be yours. When it seems like you're all alone and at sometimes you're all alone in a cruel, dark world. Just remember what he spoke to you when he said, lo, I am with you always. When you're searching high and low, asking yourself, is there any good news? Just remember what he spoke when he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Oh, and there may be somebody in here today. You're wondering if there's any good news for your life. All you have to do is simply remember what Jesus said, and trust me when I say I'm a living witness that whatever it is, even if it's conquering death's grave, Jesus is able to do just what he said he would do. He will fulfill every promise to you. Listen, I know things are hectic. I know things are crazy right now, but don't give up on God because God won't give up on you. God is able. Verse 8 tells us that the women remember bad news after bad news. They, they finally got some good news. Look at what they do in response to getting that good news, and I'm out your way. Verse 9 says, they returned from the tomb and told all of these things unto the others. Listen, half of the fun and getting good news is being able to share that good news with somebody else. Because you'll never know when the same good news you've been hoping to get is the same good news somebody else has been waiting to get as well. You cannot and you must not keep it all to yourself. When I was 12 years old, I started working for the local newspaper company where we lived. And I had to wake up every morning at 4 a.m. and put together the papers that they had left on my front doorstep. I had to get on my bike and go out into the early hours of the morning making deliveries in the neighborhood. Well, um, there were a couple of mornings I just didn't feel like getting up. Uh, the bad thing about it was that it was about three mornings in a row. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, I got fired at 12 years old. <laughs> how, how a 12-year-old get fired, I don't know, but I, I found a way to, to, to make it happen. And I, I remember the lady calling me, in, and she was nice about it. I mean, surely you'd be nice to a 12-year-old you just fired. But she called me, and one thing she said to me was this, church. She said, our riders 
write too good of news stories for people not to know about it. Our writers write too good of news stories for people not to know about it. My brothers and sisters, as I close, if you will allow me for a few moments to let me make up for the mistake I made when I was 12 years old. Listen, there's somebody out there who's wondering if there's any good news. You've been going through some heartache and you're wondering if there's any good news. You've been going through some sickness and you're wondering, is there any good news? Things have been tough for you on the job lately and you're wondering if there's any good news. You got 10 times more bills than you have checks coming in and you're wondering, is there any good news? You have marriage issues, family problems. There's a disconnect between parent and child. And you're wondering, is there any good news? Listen, I know a writer who wrote a pretty good news story about 2,000 years ago. This writer wrote an autobiography news story. He wrote about himself coming down through 42 generations. He wrote about himself being born of a virgin named Mary. He wrote about himself being the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. He wrote about himself being the way, the truth, and the life. He wrote about himself being the Messiah. He wrote about himself laying down his life for his sheep. He wrote about himself being betrayed, tried, and convicted. He wrote about himself having to travel up Golgotha's hill. He wrote about himself being hung on a cross. He wrote about himself dying on that cross. He wrote about himself being laid in a grave. He wrote about himself being in that grave for three days. And this is the best of that good news story in that he wrote about himself getting up from that grave. Is there any good news, you may ask? Let me deliver my paper to you on today, February 9th, 2020, and say yes. Yes, there is good news. Is there any good news? Yes. He is risen. Is there any good news? Yes. He's a soul savior. Is there any good news? Yes, he is a provider. Is there any good news? Yes, he's a way maker. Yes, he will turn your situation around. Yes, he will make your enemies your footstool. Is there any good news? Yes, he'll heal you. Yes, he'll deliver you. Yes, he'll set you free. Is there any good news? Yes, he'll give you joy in your sorrow. Yes, he'll give you hope for tomorrow. Yes, he'll be your doctor in the, in the sick room. Yes, he'll be your lawyer in the courtroom. Is there any good news? Yes, he'll be bread when you're hungry. Yes, he'll be water when you're thirsty. Yes, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. There is some good news. And if you don't think you have it right now, just hold on a little while longer. Because you will discover that good news is not on the way. But good news it's already here.